0: On this episode of Architect, we'll talk about developing a technology team within your architecture firm, balancing form and function, and getting fluent in AV and IT. All that and more. Next on Architect The network for the AV industry.
1: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is Architect, episode four, recorded Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. Technology inside.
1: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment.
0: This is Architect, the monthly look at the intersection between the architecture industry and the AV and technology industry. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Uh, Every once in a while, we'll sit down uh, with somebody specifically and and get kind of their story and and where they live within the architecture community. Uh, And with me to discuss his journey uh, through the AV and architecture world, my buddy, Mr. Brad Colt from HGA. Welcome, sir. Hey there, Tim. It's great to be back. Yeah, thank you. Um, Let's start from the beginning with you. How did you get involved in the, in the AV industry?
1: Sure. So I went to school for electrical engineering okay. and my senior year, I realized I haven't done any internships yet. I didn't really know what path my life was going to take. And so I ended up joining a mentor program to the University of Minnesota where I went to school and you fill out a survey of the things you're interested in. The mentors fill out their survey of the things that they're skilled in, and I filled it out very AV heavy, and I thought that it would be uh, great to be able to know more about my home theater, and you know, at the time, as was a young kid thinking about how fun it would be to build that ultimate bachelor pad, that uh, the mood lighting and the music follow me from room to room, right? and uh, at the time, it was a pipe dream, now pretty easy to do with some of the home automation that we have. Um, but that, that ended up pairing me up with my mentor, who has been a, a lifelong resource and I continue to work with, uh, thank you, Joe Wetternock. And so we really hit it off right away from the time that we would gotten paired up. And through that relationship, just as I was graduating school, they were in need of growing their staff and putting a good work for me, and that got me into the industry. Wow. But that was great. Cause I hadn't realized that this industry existed. you know, thinking about electrical engineering and, you know, well, what am I going to do Uh, program or hardware. I studied a lot of communications and uh, just had a lot of interest in in the kind of gadget side of things. And that really opened up up a lot of uh, opportunities in my mind for how we could apply a lot of those skills once Joe taught me a lot about what architectural engineering is. So Joe worked there at HGA? Uh, We were at a different firm before this and we both kind of moved over here right around the same time.
0: So you started in the industry in architecture. I was at a MEP
1: firm initially. And so we had a a few uh, major clients that we did a lot of work with. At some point I realized, you know, I'm getting uh, very expert in this particular client. I know their systems. I know those people I work with all the time. And I kind of felt the ceiling on my potential for growth and ability to influence some of those things that were peripheral to the AV and the telecom and the security that I was designing. And I went, Oh my gosh, I really want to tackle this whole building and be able to bring this stuff together. And uh, so looking for opportunities to work someplace where uh, we had a ability to be able to influence things on that bigger, broader level beyond even just the MEP and thinking a little more along those lines of IOT back before that had been a phrase. And uh, just seeing that potential for this information can be shared between these systems. It shouldn't be siloed. We can do so much more. And a lot of that really is spawned by my experience in AEV and in looking at Integrating those systems is really native to what that entire position in designing AV systems is. And in uh, just looking at data as data and how do we automate, how do we tie things together, how do you make use of that uh, to create some greater experiences than what they are as a, some of their parts. So that's really driven me.
0: So, and in, in we have a rule here. We have, we have to um, define the, the acronyms that we use. So MEP is Mechanical electrical and plumbing, it's a typical um, firm that will help architects a lot of times, uh, or, or clients you know, do those, those, those systems. How did working at an, at an MEP firm help you make the, the transition from MEP over to a full, you know, full building
1: architect? Sure, so the architects a lot of times will uh, do a lot of facilitating and leading and organizing projects. And sometimes the engineers are not always as involved in some of that process. Whereas working at an MEP firm, we really had to facilitate a lot of that. We weren't always working with architects. Sometimes we were working directly with the owner on projects that were gonna be more infrastructure related. I got into this industry 2005 or so. And so around that great call after that recession, during that recession, you know, 2008, we had a lot of people from my class that have fallen out of the industry, especially on the architecture side. I was able to stay buoyant and a lot of my peers in the uh, engineering side kept working on the infrastructure projects. People were spending money on the things that had paybacks. And uh, so being able to lead those projects, being able to sit in construction meetings and see the process from start to finish and be able to really understand what some of those challenges were in the field that, that our contractors are experiencing. Uh, that gave me an awful lot of, of knowledge about what it is that we need to do know to manage the process and then how to come in here and work with architects because we were working you know, as a sub to architects back at the MEP firm, which made it even easier to slide into working at a fully integrated architecture engineering firm. We use the term AE throughout this conversation, I'm sure. So uh, that really helped quite a bit to make that a fluid transition and we found that at HGA, at least they really appreciated having the engineers that had that background and could get out in front of clients and speak and really lead a process.
0: All right, so so let's talk for a second about about that that transition. Once you got in inside HGA, what is what is a typical day, uh, or maybe even a week? If a a day is not not fair, a week look like as far as the types of projects that you handle and and the things that you you're able to do and and and, you know work in conjunction
1: with the architects. Yeah, I guess I'll start with the obvious. There is nothing typical about (laughs) much of what we do in this industry, but uh, just to kind of generalize it and make it a little bit more simplified, it's for HGA, maybe setting the context, the types of projects that we work on. Uh, we do public and corporate office phase projects, uh, tenant build-outs. We we'll work with clients who are going to be uh, owning their own buildings, as well as uh, real estate clients who are just going to be fitting out a space within a building that they're leasing space out of. We do a lot of healthcare. And we'll do uh, arts, cultural education, and some science and technology. So for us, it's being well-rounded and being able to work in each of those different disciplines. So a lot of our architects work within those practice groups, and they'll focus. Uh, you know, they get assigned to a project, and that core team, architects working on that project, they get 40 hours a week. The timesheet's really easy to fill out at the end of the week, and whereas we are working on little bits of a lot of different projects. So me and the team I work with, we're, we're spread across uh, quite a bit of different things so we're really dynamic and used to having a lot of stuff come flying at us really fast and having to react to uh, you know, those those deadlines and uh, any requests that we have to be able to get some documents put together or you know, meet with owners and uh, it's very dynamic so we, we have a, almost a process that resembles what I expect that a developer team would have. They're yeah. talking about being fairly lean and uh, the ability to scale up when we need to, we can crash a project and bring people on. So we're we're very interactive as our technology team, as a small subset of what the nine hundred person company has. So we'll we'll be able to uh, pick up a project because everyone's fairly informed about what's going on day to day. You know, even across our offices, where we just keep well enough in touch. We're trying to make sure we're sharing knowledge and staying educated, all on the same page with what we're trying to do, so we can express that you know, common HGA brand when a client is working with us. So the day-to-day tends to be, um, we'll start our week, we'll get in, we have a staffing meeting or we'll connect with the folks in our other offices that uh, uh, right now is here in our Milwaukee office. We have our technology presence and we'll serve the rest of the offices uh, for technology. And we all get kind of on the same page, get our marching orders and uh, know what deadlines we have coming up. have communicated what sort of, workloads we have so that everybody can help each other out when needed without having surprises and overburdening anybody. Uh, and then it tends to be uh, some heads-down work mixed with meetings with our own internal teams to make sure that we're collaborating, coordinating, and meeting with the external teams and, and our architects. And so our external teams uh, will, will be some other, sometimes other engineering firms We don't always work with our own folks because clients have preferences that they have. Uh, Sometimes we might pair with another firm to be able to win a project. Uh, We'll less frequently work with other architects, but that does happen as well. Um, Sometimes, again, we're still working on some of those energy and infrastructure and engineering-only projects that uh, we, we don't necessarily have architecture on. So what I really like about it is a really great variety. And for me, being the position I am, I really appreciate being able to do some engineering and keeping those technical skills up and some marketing and some business development and balancing the technical writing with the creative writing. Uh, There's a lot of public relations that go on internal and external. And I find that to be really invigorating. I don't have to dive into any one of those things at the exclusion of others, really get a good balance out of it.
0: Yeah. Um, There are a a couple of, of, here. I'm, I'm in St. Louis and there's a number of architects here as well. and. I, I'm going to pick on two specifically. I'm not going to name their names, but one one years ago had had folks like you, the technologist, in, internal, right? That they had them, uh, and then they did, at some point in the last ten years they decided to to outsource that. And then there's another one here in town that that still has a technology team. What is the benefits from from your standpoint of having those those folks who can bring those technical those technical skills? to the table internal as opposed to outsourcing those?
1: Sure. So we really find that it's important to be a fully integrated team. It's something that's built into our DNA. We were founded as an architecture and engineering firm 65 years ago. And so it is just somewhat fundamental to how we do things. Um, But when I came on board initially, we were, uh, we are designing telecom infrastructure. We did uh, some other low voltage things that were, kind of stuff you had to have in order to make the building work. You know, also having fire alarm, a nurse call for our healthcare, things like that. Uh, and we, we would do a little bit of the systems work, the AV, the security, and it got to be too complicated to of a project, they would sub it out. Um, so when I came on board, there was a little bit of initial uh, concern. Can we keep somebody employed full time doing these special systems? And it didn't take too long after I started. My plate was totally full. I came on here uh, consulting initially, and I, my other clients fell by the wayside pretty quickly. HGA became the thing for me, and I got hired on here full-time. And And so you know, for us, being able to have just another arrow in our quiver for full-service consulting helps us to be able to I, fulfill that brand message of we can do everything, but it, it also helps we have rapport with our architects. We know what our teams are. We know what their specialties are and their processes. And you know, we're very uh, process oriented, data driven in terms of our design. And being a third party to step into that and try and coordinate and be able to make sure that we're on the right cadence for uh, how we're servicing our clients and making sure that we're providing that standard of care that uh, they expect, uh, making sure that we're communicating effectively with each other. It's much easier to do when you're working in house and sharing that information. So, some of the times, my experience from the MEP, pass was we would just get information just in time from architects that tell us just what they thought we needed to know and we'd often find you know there are were, there were, there were potential for there would be gaps in what we really needed to know from what we were given from them. So I feel like being in-house, we're a part of this team right from the get-go. At the very beginning of the project, we're helping market the project together and then as we're on board of the project with the rest of the team, we are all on the same page and we can leverage each other's skills to the best we can. And that's, I think, a big differentiator is not just being able to get deliverables done on time together, but knowing what each other's competencies are knowing how we can leverage that.
0: One of the the complaints, I guess, is the best way to put this, uh, that a lot of integrators have is that uh, on architectural-driven projects, they they feel like a lot of times they get brought in at the last minute. Like like you said, the MEPs Mm
1: -hmm. sometimes
0: do as well if, if that's the case or if that's reality and not just their perception, how do they fix that? You know, how, how, um, how would you best advise as somebody who, who is inside and does get brought in early on? Um, how would you advise, you know, folks who are looking to, you know, get, um, you know, not necessarily ahead of anybody else, but if they're going to get the project, how do they get in uh, as early as possible to you know, alleviate any sort of, of pain points um, as the project nears completion.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. How do they get in? Because yeah. they have to make their case you know, pretty clearly to that architecture or their engineering team That it is important to get them on board. Uh, and I don't know that I have a, a silver bullet for that, but I will say that I guess past performance will help with being able to justify that. And in, what we normally look for is what, what is somebody's ability, again, integrating into the team and looking for those folks to be a bit proactive in terms of telling us what they need You know, when are the dates that they're going to need decisions from the rest of our team. You know, sometimes that's fitting into our poll plans uh, and being able to uh, make sure that we're engaging on the right timeline and sharing the information that we need, getting information from the owners that so we're all working together because a lot of times they tend to be, if they're hired by the owner, especially working on their own schedule that's a little bit more thinking about when are they going to have to install this equipment and not so much along the, when is this planning going to, have to happen to make sure that we've got all that infrastructure in place and that we're coordinated on the furniture and we've got uh, all of the boxes in the wall where, where we need to coordinate with all the rest of the decor in the room. So the more that they're able to integrate into the team and lead rather than be just reactive to what the team is doing, the better chance that they're going to have of being invited back to that team and being invited early.
0: That's a, that's a good point. And, and, you know, um, just keep, you know, keep the com- contact, keep the communication flowing between the two uh, organizations. So.
1: Yeah. And from my perspective, when I get a chance to be able to have that influence on our team, I, I try and make sure that we're getting those folks on board early or I'm educating the owner and you know, why is it important that we have somebody who's designing this early? Hopefully that it's us, but if not, at least we want somebody to be here to make sure that that client has a successful project. Cause at the end of the day, that's who we're working for and that's what we really want. Yeah. And so I'll push for that. And I find it's really helpful to be collaborative. I know that engineers have a number of reputations. I like to try and subvert all of them. Uh, I was told once, you can always tell an engineer, you just can't tell them much. so I try not to be that person I want to make sure that I'm humble and always receptive to to new ideas and I feel like there's a lot that we contribute and there's a lot that integrator is going to contribute they're out there every day servicing clients and seeing these projects after they're turned over knowing how some of these things are actually working and uh, they're they have an awful lot of knowledge that I think is important to complement the knowledge that we have as a consultant being uh, unbiased being able to recommend and represent the best solution for our end user not being tied to any quotas or any particular brands. So uh, we have good complement of what we bring, so I don't feel threatened by what the uh, integrator is gonna be offering. I feel like that's something that uh, we, we can help to enhance what we're each delivering together. So I wanna bring them in early on projects whenever we have the opportunity to. Now, some projects don't let themselves do it. A public bid job makes it a little bit more difficult. We don't wanna be favoring anybody, but we work on a lot of negotiated projects. We have early trade partners, and so I'm always saying, Really helpful to get our Division 27 and 28 partners on these projects early as well, respecting that those trades are not the sort of thing that we'll figure that out later, that's just where we're gonna plug the computer in. No, this technology is really driving a lot of our user experience and the processes throughout the day. We're all relying on it, so let's make sure we're having considerations about how is this gonna be impacting things. And everyone recognizes it's moving so fast, you gotta have that in consideration early because you might not just do what you did in the last project, so. I find when we do bring those integrators on early as collaborative partners, they really appreciate it. I get a lot of feedback from them, oh, I'm not always brought in early, sometimes we have to deal with what we're handed and we have to find ways to work around it and the client's not getting the best thing because we're we're making workarounds work rather than trying to pick an optimal solution. So I think it works best for everybody when we can bring them in.
0: What would you say to an architect uh, or an architecture firm if they don't have somebody internal, right? Uh, but they're considering it, right they're, What What are some of the things that they need to look for in a team to make sure that they're going to get the best, uh, not necessarily the best people, but, but the most out of the team that they, that they put together when it comes to advising them from a technology
1: standpoint. Yeah. It's going to be understanding what qualifications and certifications that that team has sure. and vetting, vetting those candidates, uh, because we certainly see some other competitors, uh, Maybe it's good. Sorry, I don't want to throw anybody into the bus here without naming names, but uh, you know, there's there's an tendency in the industry to be able to go with you know just good enough from uh, maybe it's an engineering firm who they can squeak by and be able to you know get some screens specified for the walls and be able to pick out some speakers. You know, it's really. It's, what are you doing to try and uh, stratify and separate the the people who are uh, just getting it done from those people who are going to be best of breed. So, looking at a BICSS certifications for the AVs uh, for the big thing in my mind for helping to be able to show who has the commitment to the training to be able to deliver those types of skills. And uh, I guess that's it's really a big one in my mind. Uh, looking at past performance and other kinds of projects, uh, not everyone's going to need the highest caliber, most horsepower design firm. So, understanding what types of work people do and Know, what are the brackets on both ends? Not just you know what's the, the highest level you can do, but also what's what's something that's just a little bit too small or too you know simple for needing to hire an A V consultant. So being able to know know yourself as a client well enough to know what it is you're asking for and that's that's hard because clients are maybe only working on one or two construction projects for their whole career, and so they're not in this all the time. They don't necessarily know what they don't know. No, that's that's a good
0: that's a good word. Uh, all right, uh, one last piece of advice, Brad, if you are talking to an AV designer or someone who is either just getting in the industry or has been in the, in the industry a long time and they aspire to work for uh, an architecture
1: firm, they they want to get in, how do they do that? Well, there are definitely a lot of approaches. Uh, i say it depends on what part of the country you're in for whether the architecture firms want to have that in-house or not. Uh, we've experienced that as we were trying to hire engineers in some of offices on the coast where it's just less common to have that in-house. They typically work with consultants. And uh, just trying to recruit candidates is a little bit challenging uh, compared to parts of the country where we are in the Midwest where it's a lot more common to have that engineering as part of your team. So you know, look, look for the right places. They're going to have that fit. I think looking for somebody who already has very good engineering because your peers are probably going to be a little bit more aligned with you on the engineering side than on the architecture side. And we all work together. We want to make sure that form and function are are balanced. Uh, Sometimes we talk to the architects and the the form is greater than the function. Uh, You know, from the CTS exam, they answer the question completely opposite, that it is function over form. And, you know, so finding where you have alignment, where there are already, uh, you know, engineers in the... In, in that shop, that are going to be able to help be your ally, and you'll be able to support each other. I think that helps. Um, one of the things that we look for is I want somebody who's multidisciplinary, and that might be a little bit of a unique approach. But for us, it's important making sure that we are able to be that lean team, and uh, as often we're working with some of the same constituents from facilities or IT around. The AV, also talking about the telecom and security and uh, other systems in the building. Being able to have that fluency, not necessarily being the expert in those things, but you can you can talk the talk when you need to. You know the lingo and uh, you know what some of the main pain points are for those clients and what some of the main uh, typical solutions would be. That, that helps quite a bit from my perspective. And I found that it's really been helpful in my career to be able to have, be that multidisciplinary specialist because I can see the trends that are happening in one industry starting to influence what's going on in the other industry yeah. so uh, maybe talked about this before on some of your shows I went through with security where 10-15 years ago everything was on coax it was going back to recorders that were standalone that the facilities department owned well I transitioned over to IP and I had to go through the process with the IT departments of not on my network
0: <laughs>
1: Their initial reaction was not I don't know what it is it's not a computer that's not going on my network Uh, to then starting to get some acceptance and understanding what it is that we're attaching to their network. They can understand how this could help grow their empire and now they typically have all the cameras that are running on the IT network or at least the IT is gonna be supporting them. And so I'm seeing that same trend happening as we're bringing the AV onto the network and uh, history repeating itself. I've had those conversations before, already fluent in knowing how to talk to the IT department about what things they might be concerned with. And since they've been through it before, the ground's already been paved. It's a lot easier than, uh, than it used to be for them to be able to say yes and be able to support adding more devices to their network.
0: Well, yeah, and you, you can actually equate and, and tell those stories, right, to the IT department of, hey, you know, th- this is this is what we did when when security came on board. This is what we did when the, the telecoms came on board. Well, that's, you know, same kind of thing here.
1: Yeah, I've seen that movie before.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen that movie before. I know how it ends. I know how it ends, so. All right, uh, Brad, thank you so much. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or HGA, how do they do that?
1: Uh, you could find me on LinkedIn is the best place where I have a social network presence and HGA, uh, at HGA on Twitter, hga.com. We're all over the place, just look for HGA on the webs.
0: All right, thank you, Brad. Uh, for us, for Aviation, you can go by the website, aviation.tv. that's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including our two weekly programs. What is called AV Week looks at the commercial side of the AV industry. And Resi Week looks at the news of the week for the residential side of the AV industry. Also, while you're there, please check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially help us bring you Architect and AV Week and all the other shows that we have. All that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv.